You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you all this morning. I'm so excited um, for the partnership that's forming. And I just want to tell you the story of Isaiah 117 House this morning. And I do pray um, that if you are to be part of this story, that God will lay that on your heart this morning. Um, Before I tell you about the ministry, though, I have to tell you how I got here. In 2014, I was the cheer and dance coach and an anatomy professor at Milligan College. I'd been doing that for about 13 years. Um, It's kind of random. I worked in the cadaver lab, and then I picked up pom-poms. Kind of strange. But um, that's what I did. That was my life. Um, In 2014, I knew nothing of foster care. I didn't know what DCS stood for. I didn't know where the office was located. Um, just kind of let you know where I was on the morning, uh, this morning in 2014. One last thing you need to know about me, though, is my whole life, I kind of felt like I would be a mom to someone I did not give birth to. I never know how else to explain that, except that it was a feeling that I had, and it's a feeling I'd always had. I didn't know what that would look like. I just had this feeling. Um, when, in 1997, when I married the love of my life, Corey Paulson, he'll be here second service. Um, when I married Corey, the only thing that had stood in my way of either adoption or foster care or what that might look like between 1997 and 2014 was Corey Paulson because <laughs> he did not believe I would be a mom to someone I did not give birth to. And that's where we sat our whole married life. Um, We would be at church and it would be Orphan Sunday and they would show a horrible video of a child not being chosen and I would be under the pew doing the ugly cry and he'd be like, you need to get up. You people are looking, get up. I mean, like he just... Was not did not have a heart for that. Um, and what you need to know about Corey is he's kind of that guy that lets me have my way. I mean, he firmly believes like if mama's happy, everybody's happy, except about this. And he just did not, we did not see eye to eye on this issue. So it's 2014. I'm actually homesick from work and I'm watching the Today Show and it's National Adoption Week. So they're doing all these stories about adoption. So of course, I'm already crying because I'm supposed to adopt a baby and my husband won't let me. And they had all of these families out on the plaza participating in National Adoption Day. And they announced that 75% of the adoptions that were occurring that day were actually happening through the foster care system. I knew nothing about foster care but you can Google anything. So I grabbed my laptop and I Googled foster care Northeast Tennessee. And when I did that, this was a Monday, and I found out that there were classes that you had to take to become a foster parent. And those classes were starting that very Thursday at Crossroads Christian Church in Gray. And so at this point in the story, I did the only thing a really patient, God-loving woman could do. I mean, 1997 to 2014, we call that patience, right? I called Corey at work and I said, want to go on a date Thursday night? And he said, I'd love to. I'll get mom to watch the kids. I was like, good, okay. And I remember we went to Bonefish and we ate dinner. And when we left, I said, want to drive out to Crossroads Christian Church? He was like, on our date? I was like, yeah, Rhonda. But he started driving that way. He didn't ask any more questions. We pull in. The parking lot's full. He's like, lots of people dating at the Crossroads Christian Church. 
There are. We go in, we run into Jamie and Julie Dixon. Jamie and I were biology majors together at Milligan. I was meeting Julie for the first time. I don't know what Corey was thinking. Like he was like ambush marital counseling and apparently Jamie needed it too. Like I don't know what he thought was happening um, in that room, but we sit down and the lady stands up and says, welcome to your eight week study of foster care. Eight week study of foster care. Yes, we're going on. I was like, hey, hey, hey. We're on a date for the next eight Thursdays in a row. Um, they had left out like little notepads and pens to take notes, and I kept getting little hateful notes sent to me through the meeting. Um, and I don't know what it says about our marriage, but we got in the car and we did not speak a word of what had just happened. And we drove home, and then we lived life as normal. And then the next Thursday, we met in the driveway and we and we drove out to Crossroads Christian Church, not speaking a word. We sat through class, drove home, nothing. Week three, drove out. We were coming home week three, and Corey finally broke the silence, and he said, I don't want to do this. And I said, fair enough. Um, You've been a great sport. We made it three weeks. Fair enough. And he said, oh, don't fair enough me, Rhonda. And I was like, what? He was like, you and God have wrecked me. I am a wrecked man. He's like, I don't want to do this. We have an eight-year-old, an 11-year-old. They're beautiful. They're healthy. They sleep through the night. We say, go get in the shower. They get in the shower. Like we say, get in the van. They get, I mean, like our life is easy and simple and predictable. And I like our life, Rhonda. But now that I know the numbers and now that I've heard the statistics of how many children need a safe home, I can't not do this. And so that changed things. And so we went back week four, week five, week six. Week seven, they had us meet in the Department of Children's Services in Washington County. This was my first ever visit to a DCS office. Uh, Since that day, I've been in several across the state. They all look freakishly the same. Apparently there is a mold called the DCS office. And there's a lobby and you get buzzed back and there's a sea of cubicles and there's some outdated conference rooms. We were in one of those conference rooms, and it was quite dingy. Um, It was dark. There were no windows. Um, Tables, chairs, some old phones that, like, plugged into the wall. And the gentleman leading the class said, when a child is removed from their home, they come here. And I looked around this very uninviting, very cold room, and I raised my hand, and I said, I'm sorry, sir, but when you say a child comes here, I mean, (laughs) what do you mean? And he said, a little girl slept in this room last night. And in that moment, my heart physically hurt. My shoulders got real heavy and went toward the table. And I just started crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I don't know what else was said the rest of the night because I just kept seeing her. I would even shake my head like, I don't want to see this. Like, I didn't want to see it, but I just kept seeing her. This six, seven, eight-year-old little girl who'd left the only mama she'd ever known. And although we might not approve, she did. And if she was allowed to bring anything, it was in a black trash bag at her feet. And now she's sleeping in a cold conference room, awaiting her fate. And I just almost was like feeling it, how confused and scared, how tired, how dirty she might be. And I heard God say, these are my children. What are you going to do? And I had no idea what I was going to do. 
Fast forward to November 5th, 2015. It was 3.30 in the afternoon, and I got a call from the Carter County Department of Children's Services, and the lady on the other end of the line informed me there was a nine-month-old little boy who needed a home. And I said, ma'am, I'm gonna do something very uncharacteristic. And she said, what's that? I said, I'm gonna ask my husband if this is okay. She's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I called Corey at work, and I said, tell me you'll love me no matter what. And he said, you wrecked the car again? I was like, no. Tell me you'll love me no matter what. And he said, what's going on? And I said, we're about to get in the hottest mess we've ever been in. And he said, there's a baby. I said, there's a baby. He said, I'm on my way. He came home from work and we loaded up Sophie and our son Mac and we drove around to the back door of the Carter County Department of Children's Services. And when they opened the door, there was this fair-skinned, fiery redhead, chubbiest nine-month-old I'd ever seen in my life. And his outfit was way too small, and they explained that the outfit he had on was just so filthy, they just had to get it off of him, and so they just found something in the office for him. And they handed me his one possession, um, it was a diaper bag, and I was instructed not to bring that bag into my home for the next 12 to 24 hours so that the roaches could crawl out. But he smiled, and he reached for me, and his name is Isaiah. And so we took Isaiah home, and um, I tell people, if you haven't had a baby in the house in eight years, um, you better pray to Jesus because <laughs> it's an adjustment. And um, we started reading through the book of Isaiah, and we landed on Isaiah 117. And part of that verse says, defend the cause of the fatherless. And anytime that I'm speaking or anytime I'm, you know, talking about, sometimes I speak to women's groups and women's retreats, I always say, you can't just grab a verse because it's cute hashtag or looks good on a coffee mug. Like you got to know what's the context, what came before the verse, what came after the verse. And so if you look at Isaiah 117, um, God is speaking to his people. That's the context. And if you look before the verse, God's actually quite frustrated he says, you think I want your sacrifices and your festivals? No. They are making me sick to my stomach. What I want from my people is for you to do good and seek justice and take care of the widow and defend the cause of the fatherless. And so we grabbed a hold of that verse and we would walk this foster care journey with Isaiah for 1,107 days. There's a 117 in there. For 1,107 days. We learned a lot through that process. Everything that you've heard when you hear, you know, DCS, it's a flawed system, it's a broken system. Yeah, it's all true. Um, we learned that um, when a child is going through the most traumatic day of their life, and see, people don't stop and think about removal day. Because for most of us, it's not a reality. It's not been part of our story. It's not been part of our family history. And so when we hear about a child being removed, we think things like, good, now they'll be safe. Now they'll get a good meal. Now they'll get to take a bath. All of that's true. But to that child on that day, their world just fell apart. Because it doesn't matter what home is like, that's home. And it doesn't matter how bad mom or dad are, that's mom and that's dad. And so for that child, they just left their family, they just left their home, they just left their possessions, they may have just been separated from a sibling, they have no promise of going back and seeing that teacher they love so dearly the next day, or their friends. 
and they find themselves sitting in a DCS office. And sometimes this wait is an hour. Sometimes this wait is three hours. Sometimes this wait is eight hours. Sometimes this wait is two days. They sit and they await their fate. And what was revealed to us is that everything about this current system, and it's inadvertent, it's not intended, but everything about this current system sends a message to that child that they have done something wrong. Leave your home, leave your stuff, and sit here till we figure out what we're going to do with you. If Isaiah taught us nothing else, Isaiah taught us that he had done nothing wrong. These children are innocent victims, but they feel like they're in trouble. The second thing that we learned is that caseworkers are underpaid, underappreciated, and overworked. They are first responders with none of the accolades. They are walking into traumatic situation after traumatic situation. They are taking that child back to the office. They are doing their very best to do a mountain of state's paperwork with a sibling group of three in a cubicle. It can't be done. You can't do both well. You cannot meet the demands of the state and the paperwork that has to get done and stop and love on a child that's being traumatized. And then the third thing that we learned is we need good foster families. If you hear nothing else from me this morning, we need good foster families. We need families that when they get that call at midnight, they will say yes. But right now that call's almost impossible because the call sounds like this. Sorry, we know it's late. We have a sibling group of three. They all have lice. They all need baths. They have zero possessions. Can we bring them to your house right now? How do you say yes to that? And so from 2015 to 2017, these were the things that were being revealed to me. And all the while, pretty much on a weekly basis, Julie and I would be on the phone venting about the things that were hurting us so. And the whole time we just kept saying, we gotta do something. We gotta do something. Like we can't just walk away from this. We both also agreed that our, our husbands probably weren't on board for us to be coming like the Duggars and getting like 17. <laughs> like we knew that there would be a time when we couldn't take any more children, but we couldn't just walk away. We'd seen too much. And so in January of 2017, that's 117, not planned. In January of 17, Julie and I met at the coffee company in Elizabethan, and we Googled how to start a nonprofit because if you want God to have the glory, you put people totally ill-equipped in charge. <laughs> we Googled how to start a nonprofit. We ordered the book, Nonprofits for Dummies, and we bought the domain name, Isaiah117house.com, and had no idea what we were gonna do with it. Over the next couple of months, we would start to form a board, and we honestly had the discussion multiple days. Will this first house be in Sullivan or Carter? Will this first house be in Sullivan or Carter? Will this first house be in Sullivan or Carter? And for both of us, it was pretty, we, we felt confident after praying, Carter County was supposed to be the first Isaiah 117 house. And so we started working toward that goal. We formed a board. We met for the first time February 26th of 2017. And this vision started to take shape. What if there was a home? Not a cubicle, not a conference room, not a home-like environment. What if there was a home? 
What if when a child is removed from their home and going through the most traumatic day of their life, they don't go to a cubicle or a conference room, they go to a home with big fluffy couches and lots of color, nothing sterile about this environment. And if you want to play outside, we got a, we got a privacy fence and a play set and a basketball goal. We got bubbles and sidewalk chalk. You want to take a bath? Come on, we got elbow bubble bath and bath toys. You need a snack or a meal? We got a fully stocked kitchen. You need new pajamas? You need a new backpack. You weren't allowed to bring your backpack and you're supposed to go to school tomorrow. Well, let's go pick out a new one because you've done nothing wrong. You are not in trouble. This is happening to you, not because of you. And you are loved. And there's hope. And we see you. See, these children feel invisible, especially in those hours of removal. They have no say. They have no say. It feels like no one is seeing them. No one is listening. What if there was a home with volunteers ready to look that child right in the eye and say, welcome, I see you. What do you need today? What if there was a home? What if there was a home so those caseworkers who still have a mountain of state's paperwork will have an office space, we'll have everything you need. We'll have phone chargers and tablet chargers and copiers and paper. And You bring that mountain of state's paperwork and you bring that child and you come to an Isaiah 117 house. You fix yourself a cup of coffee, we'll have your favorite creamer. You sit down at the table, you take a breath. Let us lighten your load. You work on your paperwork, we'll love on the child. What if there was a home? What if there was a home? What if there was an Isaiah 117 house? So when that call comes at midnight, it sounds like this. Sorry, it's late. We have a sibling group of three. They've all been at the Isaiah 117 house. They've had lice treatments. They've had baths. They ate a snack, played outside, and had some dinner. They're now in their pajamas with their teeth brushed. They have everything they need for the next two to three days. And by the way, foster family, do you need a stroller or a pack and play or formula? Because we just want you to say yes. We don't want you to have to go to Walmart at midnight. Just say yes. What if there was a home? And so we went in to early summer with a dream of what if there was a home and a friend of mine agreed to sell us their four bedroom, two and a half bath home for $75,000. It appraised at about 130, 140 and they agreed to sell it to us for 75,000. And I don't know what you know about Carter County. Carter County, the way I always describe it is it's far from affluent. And so I would go into Carter County early summer and say, I need to raise $75,000. They would say, in Carter County? I'd say, uh-huh. They'd say, when do you need this money? Yesterday. Bless her heart. Bless her. Um, that was, uh, going into summer, we need $75,000. In June, June 17th to be exact, a friend of mine who does a lot of fundraising for a, for a bigger organization called me and said, okay, if you're gonna do this, you have to have a social media presence. I've made you a Facebook page. Now, what you need to know about me is I'd never been on the Facebook I didn't understand the Facebook. The best I could tell is I could find a guy that I dated in college and his family at Disney World. I don't care. I broke up with him. You see what I mean? Like, and, and I don't care what you had for lunch. I'm just going to say it. And everybody is at the beach. I have a job, but everybody is always at the beach. It's bizarre. So that's all I knew about the Facebook. And so she said, I've set you up a page. Go figure it out. Well, I didn't. 
June 18th, she called back and she said, did you figure out Facebook? No. Rhonda, if you were going to do this, you have to have a social media presence. Figure out Facebook. I didn't because I didn't want it. June 19th. You didn't get on there, did you? No. Rhonda, 25,000 people have watched the video I posted of you and your husband and the local news would like to interview you. Figure out the Facebook. I was like, okay. So that started this social media craze and media craze that I didn't start because I don't even Facebook. All of a sudden, the local news, the local radio, the local television stations, they all wanted to interview me about this dream of what if there was a home. And then everybody started liking and sharing and talking and kids started getting word that we wanted to buy a house for other kids. And $7,000 was raised that summer in lemonade stands by children wanting to buy a house for children who needed one. In July, a friend of mine made, a shirt, made 12 shirts, Love, You're Not Alone, and put our logo on the back because that was our, our slogan, Love, You're Not Alone. And she made 12 of them, 10 board members, one for me, one for my husband, Corey, with her cricket on her kitchen table. And one night in July, because I'm supposed to post something every day, I said, Corey, can I post a picture of you in this shirt? And he was like, yeah. I was like, do you think people think we're selling them? He's like, no. We had 100 orders in 30 minutes. And to date, we've sold $40,000 worth of T-shirts we weren't selling. Because I'm not doing this. <laughs> and that led to August. On August 1st of 2017, we had a kickoff luncheon in Carter County to raise $75,000. And on August 30th, we had $75,000. It was amazing. In September, we paid $75,595 for the first ever Carter County Isaiah 117 house. And we knew there were some renovations that needed to be done. In my mind, I was going to call in some youth groups. We were going to put lipstick on this pig. Um, then we found out there was a foundational issue, and every load-bearing wall on the first floor needed to come out. And so all of a sudden, it didn't seem like a youth group project anymore. And so um, I called a friend of mine. All I knew, he was a contractor, nice guy named Travis. And I said, Travis, do you think you could fix this foundational issue and take out all these load-bearing walls for free? It's like, oh, let me see what I can do. Well, I tell this part of the story because I didn't know this, but God did. He had just been hired by Mitch Cox Companies in Johnson City. And four days later, me and a board member got called into Mitch Cox Companies, and we were told if we would demo that house to the studs, they would rebuild it for free. All new plumbing, all new electric, all new windows, all new walls, the whole thing for free. So I got on my new friend, the Facebook, and I put out an SOS that we needed to demo a house, and 23 firefighters showed up and demoed the entire house in two days. To date, Mitch Cox Companies has done $90,000 worth of work to that home and never charged us a dime. Keller Williams got excited, raised 13000 did the entire backyard, never charged us a dime. Cannon's Fine Home Furnishings, which is a mom-and-pop furniture store, Mr. and Miss Cannon own it, downtown Elizabethan. They gave us $16,000 worth of furniture, never charged us a dime. It was unbelievable to watch God build this home for children he had never forgotten. 
in less than one year from our kickoff, we had a completely remodeled, debt-free home with a fully funded first year's budget with every closet full, every cabinet full, and we were ready to serve the children of, of Carter, Johnson, and Unicoi. I honestly thought I understood the need, but now 130 children have walked through the red door of the Carter County House and I really had no idea. But now I've met them, and I know their names, and I know how dirty and how confused and how tired they walk through that door. I know that they literally have nothing to their name except for a stuffed animal that we dropped on the floor and a bug crawled out. And I have seen what true love and kindness can do for a child on their absolute worst day. I have seen how God can come in and use people to love on these children. I have seen them physically start to look different after 30 minutes. I have seen them start to make conversation after 45. I have seen them say, I don't want to leave after an hour. The power of someone just saying, I see you. And on this day, when you have no say in anything, you have the say here. You want to order a pizza? Let's order a pizza. You want to make glitter slime? Let's make glitter slime. You want your fingernails painted? You want to sit and read a book? You want to be a kid on the most adult day you've ever had? You come to an Isaiah 117 house. Cannon's Fine Home Furnishings did the entire house except for the little boy's room. And those same firefighters that had done the demo called and said, can we do the little boy's room as our Christmas project? And I was like, yes. And so the day of the reveal, um, they revealed the cutest firefighter room you've ever seen, complete with a lamp they made. And, and they handed me this plaque and it had their emblem in the middle. And it was a verse from Isaiah. And it said, they will walk through the fire, but they will not be burned. And I started crying the ugly cry because that is the prayer for this house. These children are walking through the fire that day. And all these big burly firefighters started crying the ugly cry. So we're all crying together. And finally one of them goes, well, you know, Mike, he just ordered that off Pinterest. (laughs) (laughs) To watch an entire community rally around the dream of what if there was a home and to learn That if you make people aware of a need, it's not that they don't care, they don't know. And once they know, they care. And so to watch this community rally around this dream and to see the difference that it's making in those children's lives on that day, we knew we couldn't stop. We knew that the need wasn't just great in Carter. It was great in Sullivan and Washington and Knox and Davidson and Blunt and Bradley, and Grundy. It's, it's great across the state. And we knew it. We felt it coming. Expansion was coming, but we've never sought expansion. Expansion kind of saw us. The state of Tennessee just kind of started showing up and saying, we want one too. And so on September 17th of this year, the second Isaiah 117 house will open in Washington County. In December, the third will open in Greene County. And in spring of 2020, the fourth will open right here in Sullivan County 
right next door to you. We have 12 expansion committees across the state. And I tell you all that to say, I'm not doing this. Julie's not doing this. We're not doing this. God is building these houses. And all he needs from his people, and I have seen it firsthand, all he needs from us is for us to say yes. That's all he needs. In January of 2017, I said yes to God. I said yes. I had no idea what he wanted. I just said yes to that question. These are my children. What are you going to do? And he has done all of this. And he continues to move because these are children that he loves. And this is what's crazy about God. This is what creates the, the mind-boggling. Well, there's so many things. This is one of the things that is so mind-boggling about the God that we serve. First and foremost, that he would want to use us, flawed, imperfect people. He actually wants to use us to further his kingdom. He actually wants us, as vile as we can be, to be his hands and feet, to love on others in his name. And then, he doesn't just stop there, he doesn't just want us. Then when we say yes, he equips us with everything we need to go out and love on people in his name. He gives us all the joy, all the energy, all the wisdom. He gives it all to us. And then, he's not done. This is what's crazy. And then he actually blesses us for it. You see, in March of 2017, on March 30th, we got a call that Isaiah had a full sibling brother that had been born and had come into custody at three weeks old. And so I got off the phone and I was crying and Corey was like, why are you crying? And I was like, well, I begged for Sophie and I begged for Mac and I tricked you into Isaiah. Like, you don't want any more kids. I get that. And he said, oh, we're taking that baby. And he called the caseworker. And so Eli joined our family in March of 2017. And then in one of the most full circle moments I'll ever experience, from watching about National Adoption Day in 2014 to participating in National Adoption Day on November 17th of 2018 when they became Isaiah and Eli Paulson and we became Paulson Party of Six. Because this is what's so cool. If you read past Isaiah 117, if you read Isaiah 119, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will taste the best of the land. God in his infinite grace and love is allowing us to taste the best of the land. And so we're here this morning to say thank you. We're here this morning to ask you to come alongside us. And we're here this morning to ask you to walk this whole journey with us. And I can tell you that walking this journey, you will taste the best of the land. Let's pray. God, you are so good. God, you've never forgotten one of us. God, there's not a person in this room that there isn't a time in our lives that we haven't felt forgotten. There isn't a person in this room, there isn't a time in our lives that we haven't felt unlovable. God, you have always loved. You have never forgotten. 
And that is true not only for us, but that is true for every child. Every child that is scared this morning, that is hungry, that needs a family. God, you are there. God, we want to be part of that. We want to live out the life you've called us to live. We want to be true followers of you. And so we ask God for the strength to move forward and to do what you've called us to do, to seek justice and to do good and to take care of the widow and to defend the cause of the fatherless. God, give us the strength. Give us the love. Grant us wisdom as we move forward. God, let this always be your ministry. Let this always be your church. Let us never forget that you provided this land and that you will build this house. And may you always get all of the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.